Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome all of you watching online. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high, your phones, your iPads. Just cup your hand. It's all good. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God bless y'all. Wow. What a great day, huh? It's good to see you. All of you watching online, we welcome you at this point. All of you are watching a recorded message. We welcome you. Pray that something that's said today will contribute to your life and uh, the joy of your life. Beginning a new series today entitled, Please Do Not Disturb. Um. You know, if you've ever stayed at a hotel, they have those little door hanger things, and it lets the maids and anybody know you do not want to be disturbed. And in our Christian life, there will always be disturbances. There will always be people trying to disturb your destiny. And uh, we oftentimes give the devil way too much credit, though there is demonic influence, but then we have choices to make. And uh, we can choose to allow disturbances to come. Uh, or we can speak to those disturbances and say, leave us alone. Do not disturb me. I have a destiny. I have a purpose. And a lot of times, it's not that we don't want to do what God wants us to do. It's just that we get distracted. We get disturbed. And uh, our minds begin to go places they shouldn't go and think thoughts we shouldn't think. And we overthink things and overfeel things. And before you know it, we have disturbed ourselves right out of our destiny. And there are some things that disturb uh, some of us. I, I'm not a guy that likes surprises too much. And so uh, there are some things I wrote down that I, I tell you disturb me. Number one, when someone comes up and says, can I tell you something with all due respect? That means they're getting ready to really do something bad. <laughs> when they preface a statement with all due respect, can I tell you you look terrible today? Uh, <clears throat> so you know what's coming after that is going to be something that you kind of go, well, they want me to respect what's being said. Another one <clears throat> that no man wants to hear is, we need to talk. <laughs> no, when your wife says that, it's like time for you to really go into intercession. <laughs> we need to talk. Well, I could always tell when my mama was mad at me, she'd say, Mark, Anthony. I went, oh, God, I'm disturbed. Another one is, can I have a minute? Come on, nobody can just take a minute. Or can I have you talk for a second? You can't even finish a sentence in a second. And these are disturbing things that, I don't know about you, but it's always like somebody calls and says, I need to talk, but they don't leave a message. I tell everybody, call me. If you don't leave a message, you don't get a call back. Because whatever you're going to say obviously wasn't very important or it's so important that you don't want to say it on a recording. Now, maybe it's just me. Some of y'all don't care. You haven't checked your voicemail in like six months. You know, I hate it when I call somebody and, and it, it rings, goes to voicemail. The voicemail you ever received is full. Check your ear. Check it. 
So those are things that disturb. Can I ask you a question? Probably not. It's always those, kind, those kinds of things that, that disturb us, even if it's momentary, we're disturbed. And so there are things in your life that you're going to have to address and say, I'm not going to allow those things to happen. It's a story of a, a church service going on, and uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, everything was going great, and a lightning bolt split through the roof of the church, hit the podiums, wooden podium, split it in half. And all of a sudden, everybody sees, there's like Satan standing there. Everybody's running out of the building. They're leaving. There's this bolt of lightning, and Satan's standing there, and there's one lady sitting on the front row, unmoved. And he looks at her and says, what are you doing? She said, I'm staying. Aren't you afraid of me? No. Do you know who I am? She said, yeah, you're Satan, but you don't scare me because I've been married to your brother for 30 years. She said, you're not going to disturb my moment in church. You're not going to disturb my time with God. I don't care if you're Satan. I don't care if all you little demons, I'm not moved. I'm undisturbed. I'm going to stay planted in the house of God. You know, in, in a modern-day church, all you have to do is not shake somebody's hand. They're offended and go somewhere else. In life, we are so, as people in our fallen nature, we are so easily offended. We are disturbed, and when we get disturbed, we make wrong decisions. We make immediate decisions without processing and without considering the long-term ramifications. And it's been amazing to me. you got people that are church hoppers because all it takes is for the pastor to say one thing they don't like and they're gone. Well, good luck. You're going to run out of churches pretty quick because we are not perfect. And there are often times that we say things and we go, and you're disturbed. Don't be so easily disturbed. My opinion of you, your opinion of me shouldn't matter. We have God's opinion. We have God's opinion, and God says, you're the apple of my eye. I created you in my image and my likeness. God loves us. So there's a story in, in Luke chapter 4, uh, in verse 31. He went down to Capernaum, a village in Galilee. He was teaching the people on the Sabbath. They were surprised and impressed. His teaching was so forthright, so confident, so authoritative, not the quibbling and quoting they were used to. In the meeting place that day, there was a man demonically disturbed. He screamed, Ho, what business do you have here with us, Jesus, Nazarene? I know what you're up to. Now, Jesus is unmoved. Obviously, we'd say, well, he's Jesus. But if we're to be Christ-like, even in the midst of a demonic outburst, we're to be unmoved, undisturbed, and continue to do what we're called to do, to, to, to live our destiny without being disturbed. And it's very challenging, especially when you have small children and you want to sleep in. Next week, I'm going to provide you with a sign, do not disturb. You're going to hang it on your door. As a matter of fact, some of you need to hang one on your refrigerator, put it at the table, all your kids' rooms. Do not disturb my peace. Do not disturb my joy. Do not disturb my faith. Do not disturb my destiny. Do not disturb my vision. Do not disturb me. All it takes for a lot of us is one negative comment, and we are totally disturbed, totally distracted, forget our way, start considering more about what somebody's saying than what God's Word says about us. I would have quit a long time ago if it was up to people, but it wasn't up to people. It was up to God and my willingness to submit to God. It's your willingness to submit to God that will change everything. 
It's not how great we are, it's how great he is. And if we will stay connected to his greatness, his greatness will work through us. When we disconnect from it, it's not that God will ever leave us nor forsake us, but we disconnect from believing that he has the final say. So it goes on here to say, you are the Holy One of God, and you've come to destroy us, which was a lie. Jesus shut him up, quiet, get out of him. The demonic spirit threw the man down in front of them all and left. The demon didn't hurt him. That set everyone back on their heels, whispering and wondering, what's going on here? It was in the midst of the disturbance that Jesus flipped the script and said, you will be used for my glory. In other words, he said, I'm not going to be moved by you. And when everybody saw it, they were in awe that Jesus was not bothered by this spirit, just ran it out and kept on going. Sometimes you just have to speak to it and say, I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep on going. Do not disturb what I'm doing. There are several things that we'll be looking at that, that we have to remember. And one of the ways to keep from being disturbed is remembering the things you've overcome. Everyone in here has overcome something. The problem is maybe you've overcome one thing and you've been overcome by ten. What do we remember? We remember the ten things that have overcome us. But if I can remember one thing that I've overcome, it helps me to not be disturbed by what is to come. Now, this just came to me. I read this somewhere. It says, I am wooden spoon, lead paint, no car seat, no seat belt, no bike helmet, bed of pickup riding, garden hose drinking survivor. We live in such a timid society. When I played peewee baseball, we would get in the back of one of the dad's pickups, 20 kids going 35 miles an hour, and nobody thought one thing about it, feet hanging off the tailgate. You would go to jail today. No, and we're going through town, two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? We didn't really like them, but that's what we said. And we survived. We overcame. We were not disturbed by cars passing us going 35 the other way and some kid about to fall off. Nowadays, you can hardly live life. You can hardly breathe I mean, I mean, we would lay on the back of the, the place of the back seat of the car, lay up there looking out the window. We didn't even have seat belts, man. It's always amazing to me that we're required to wear seat belts in a car, but you can ride a motorcycle without a helmet. Tell me what's wrong with this. It's just, it, it, some of this stuff makes no sense. And we're so disturbed by everything around us that we forget we are overcomers. We are more than conquerors in this life. Not the life to come. In this life, we are more than conquerors. Overcomers. And so you have to, we're so disturbed. I made a mistake. I did this. I didn't do that. I should have been. And all of a sudden, we talk ourselves out of the presence of God. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people, so praise yourself into his presence. Worship yourself into his presence. Don't be moved out of the presence of God. Don't be disturbed in your relationship with him. Things go wrong sometimes. Matter of fact, this morning, first service, our video announcement just cut off. I had to step up and preach early. Woe was me. I wanted that time anyway. But I, I, I you know... 15, 20 years ago, I would have cut somebody's head off. I just decided to be undisturbed. Jacob came and said, I'm sorry, here's what happened. 
to say I don't care probably, but I don't care. <laughs> it's like, you know what, we'll get it back. In, most things in our lives are, are not devastating. They're just disturbances that come to distract us, to keep us from the will of God. We think things are so terrible and so bad, and in our minds as we play them over and over, they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Before you know it, they've taken up all the capacity of your thinking. Quit overthinking things. Just rest in the Lord and and trust God. It doesn't mean you don't do anything, but it means that you do one thing better than everything, and that is give it to Him. Disturbances will come in your life. They will always be around. And so in this series, I'll be talking about several things. One is that you have to address this issue. Convince yourself that you can't work yourself into enough. The very first problem is we tell ourselves, I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not perfect enough. I'm not good enough. Before you know it, you've convinced yourself you're not enough. And that is disturbing, and that will disturb the gift of God. I'm not good enough to be up here on my own. I'm only good enough to be up here because God was great enough to make me good enough. Anytime I start thinking, I'm, I'm standing on the front row worshiping and going, I don't deserve this kind of, I've got these great band members, great worship team. And I'm, in, I'm stunned and shocked probably more than anybody that God would give me these people to lead us into his presence. Every Sunday I stand on the front and I go, God, there are churches begging. These guys could play anywhere in the world. And they're here at Mosaic Church OKC. I am absolutely stunned. It's, it's so amazing to me at how awesome God is. But I didn't work. I prayed. I submitted. And God does this stuff. And some of y'all believe it for a spouse. Stop looking. Heavy pause. You're out chasing and you're disturbed. You're not finding anybody. And then you settle. I'll end it there because some of y'all looking at your husband going, that's what happened to us. Second thing is, and I won't get to this today, you compare yourself. You're constantly comparing yourself to other people to try to determine whether you're enough or not enough based on what they are doing or not doing and what you're not doing. And you start comparing, and and nobody wins when you compare. If you say, well, I'm better than them, then that puts them down. If they're better than you, that puts you down. So somebody's put down, and Jesus died to lift everybody up. You don't have to feel like you're enough to compare yourself with somebody else to become enough. You'll never be enough because somebody loses, and you're not going to feel good about that. Third thing is is that uh, you criticize yourself. So if you don't address, I'm not enough, if you don't address that, then you will never be enough because you've always already convinced you're not enough. So the first thing is you, you, you convince, I'm not enough. Second thing is, I don't have enough. Third thing is, God is not enough. Now I'll get to these in the weeks to come. But today we want to talk about these points of comparing, I'm not enough. Listen to this. A friend of mine wrote this. Religion is all about our goodness being rewarded. So when I tell somebody I'm not religious, this is what I mean. Religion is all about 
our goodness being rewarded. I don't deserve one thing. I don't deserve a reward. It's not about, I'm so good that God just rewards me. But Christianity is all about our badness being forgiven. It's all about our badness being forgiven. That's what Christianity is. It's not about our goodness being rewarded. We all look and say, well, man, I'm an usher, I'm a greeter, I'm all these things, and I do this, and I don't do that, and I'm better than that. And, and what you don't realize, that's religious thinking. Because there's not one of us in here today or watching online that's any better than anybody else. You say, but I act better. I don't do that what they do, and they don't. Stop. God loves them just as much as he loves you. Granted, their value system may be different than yours. Their behavior may be different than yours. And you can look at them and say, well, they're just not enough. They're not good enough. They could never be a part of the church. They could never do anything for God. I mean, look at their history. Look, No, I'm looking at your future, not your history. I know what lies before you is greater than everything that lies behind you. And you have to put it behind you or you will never be enough. And if people choose not to follow, they choose not to believe, don't be disturbed by that. Knowing this, one day you will be with Jesus and everything else won't matter. I keep looking to heaven and bringing heaven to earth. You see, when you convince yourself that you're not enough, you will rely on works to impress yourself and others. You will start trying to work your way in to the good graces of God and the good graces of others. And this is one way to tell is you start just working. You try and stay busy to convince yourself and others that you are enough. Now, granted, I think we ought to do work for God. I think we all ought to do work for God. I think it's something, you know, faith without works is dead. But it's not the kind of works that leads us to salvation. You and I don't get saved because we're good. We get saved because we're submitted to the cross. There will be people in heaven that you will wish were not there. I hope that's not the case. But can you imagine just for that moment being outside the gates and you're being caught up in the air and you look over and somebody's floating next to you and you want to slap. <laughs> Trust me, it could happen. So the story of Mary and Martha, one of my favorites, is, is as they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? See, Martha's I'm not enough unless I'm working it. And Jesus, and now she's talking to you. Can you imagine asking Jesus, hey, what's up? I'm working it in here, and my sister's sitting here at your feet doing absolutely diddly squat. That's modern-day language for what Martha was saying. Tell her to lend me a hand. Man, if I'm Jesus in that moment, I'm have, if I'm off that day, it's a <laughs> The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing 
only is essential. And Mary has chosen it, the main course. And it won't be taken from her. Say, how do I know if people are disturbed? Well, if you look at this story, number one, Martha was argumentative. You ever been around argumentative people? You can't ever say anything. They're going to say something to you. Because they want to be sure that you know that they're right or they weighing in on what you're saying and what they're saying is better than what you're saying, so you argue. If you really want to confuse somebody today, shut up. Make people wonder what you, you're thinking. I've learned this. Just shut up. It, it'll freak them out. People who, people who are, are not enough, they just want you to argue so that when you get really mad and you start cussing at them, at least they didn't cuss at you. What's in mosaic? I can say that. But that's what happens. People will drag you into an argument that think the people who are not enough, they always want to prove to you they are enough. They know more than you. They're smarter than you. They have better thoughts than you. They can argue better than you. Mary didn't say a word. You notice Mary didn't even speak up. Mary sat there, and I think she looked up at Jesus and went, she's all yours. She didn't even argue. Mary's like, I got this. I'm at the feet of Jesus. I'm in the presence of all the Almighty. And Martha's in the kitchen, hustle, bustle, and then she comes and tattles on me. Nah, 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 nah. Second thing that we see, she's agitated. Agitated people always are uneasy or unhappy. That means that they're always unsettled. They can't just rest. They can't just enjoy life. They're just agitated. They don't know what to do unless they have somebody to argue with. So Martha's agitated. Again, Mary's sitting there. Third thing is, she's accusative. People who are always accusing other people, blaming others is a sign that you don't think you're enough. In other words, if you can't just own your own stuff, you can't own your own problems, you can't take responsibility for your own life, you're looking for somebody else to make you feel better, that's why you're agitated, that's why you're arguing, and that's why you're accusing somebody else of your life not being everything you want it to be. At the end of my life, my life will be what I made it, not what you made it. Not what somebody else made it, but what I chose to make it. I can look around and think somebody's not doing their job, somebody's not carrying their weight, this is happening, that's happening, and you get all agitated, irritated, and accusing instead of looking and just simply saying you're fired. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can't fire your spouse. <laughs> well, some of you might be able to. You see, sometimes it's what we hear and that may cause us to be disturbed, or sometimes I like to have selective hearing. <sighs> So an 82-year-old man wasn't feeling well, decided to go to the doctor, and uh, had a checkup, and the doctor gave him some instructions, and, and he left. Well, a few days later, the doctor ran into him at the park, and he saw him, this 82-year-old man with a beautiful young woman. The doctor came over and said, wow, you look like you're feeling a whole lot better. The man replied, he said, I just took your advice, doc. He said, what was that? He said, you told me to get a hot mama and be cheerful. Doctor said, no, I didn't. I said, you have a heart murmur. Be careful. (laughs) 
Sometimes you just need to hear what you need to hear. That old man wasn't disturbed. He was excited. You see, he didn't take that I'm not enough at 82. He decided I can go out and do what I need to do. See, some of you quit because you've looked in the mirror too long. You've heard too many voices and you've considered those voices for far too long. And it's time for you to say, I am enough. God has made me enough and more than enough lives in me. You know, some of the people that we see in the world and that we respect and we, we honor and we think good things of them, we think it just came easy that all of a sudden their life was just simpler than ours. That, that, that somehow they just realized, woke up one day, and they just continued to think, I'm all of that in a bag of chips. When in reality, most people who have achieved anything in life have gone through a lot of obstacles, and the attempt to disturb their destiny has been just like yours. Story of Denzel Washington, it says, Oscar winner Denzel Washington is one of our greatest living actors, but he wasn't always a superstar. Matter of fact, in 1975, Denzel was a 20-year-old journalism major flunking out of Fordham University. He had no clue what to do with his life, drop out of school maybe, join the army. Sitting in his mom's beauty parlor in Mount Vernon, New York, he noticed a woman under one of the hair dryers. Every time he looked up, she was looking at him, he said. Denzel, during uh, a commencement address in Dillard, at Dillard University in 2015, tells this story. He said, suddenly, she asked me for a pen and piece of paper. I have a prophecy, she said, staring at Denzel. Boy, you're going to travel the world and speak to millions of people. Travel the world? Speak to millions? Denzel could barely figure out college. Maybe the woman's words meant that he'd follow in his father's footsteps and become a minister. Months later, Denzel discovered acting. He graduated and won a scholarship to an American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. Movie roles followed. As Denzel's star rose, he traveled the world. His films have drawn millions. He still carries the woman's prophecy with him everywhere he goes. What she told me that day has stayed with me. He said, I've been protected. I've been directed. I didn't always stick with God, but he always stuck with me. You see, working for the sake of somehow achieving enough things to make you feel like you're enough will constantly be something you chase that you will never catch. You see, you, you need to find it, not chase it. You need to find in your own heart and soul that you are enough. And that no matter what you've done, no matter what your GPA was, no matter if you have a college degree or high school diploma, you look to those things, and so those things are the things that mean I'm enough. Those things don't mean you're enough. You are enough right now, right where you are. You are enough. You don't need to prove to anybody how brilliant you are, how smart you are, how qualified you are, how hard you work. You need to find God and find out in God you will always be enough. It's so difficult in a world that's filled with beauty. I mean, you can on Facebook or anywhere else, you can Photoshop. I know people that are 70 and wrinkled, but in their Facebook page, they look 30 and beautiful. 
I mean, I don't even do Facebook because I got so many wrinkles. I look like I'm a descendant of a basset hound. It's like, can we rub that out? I, I've watched people do this. It's like they can rub out wrinkles. They can make their teeth whiter. I mean, some of these people, I mean, they got chiclets. Their, their teeth, is, they're too white. Quit rubbing. You Photoshop. We don't even know who you are. Who is that? I have literally looked at Facebook posts, and I said, I don't even know who they are, but they got their name there. I'm going, dear God, that's got to be their granddaughter. So we Photoshop ourselves into thinking I'm, I'm enough. I'm young enough. Look, I'm loving. You see, some of y'all pay a lot of money to have hair my color. This is just natural. Platinum crow, baby. Somebody corrected me the other day, said, no, it's just white. I said, I'll call it whatever I want. I identify as platinum. <laughs> it's a new thing. I'm loving it. <laughs> I identify as young, handsome, and platinum. Uh-huh. You see, sometimes you just have to talk yourself into what Jesus died you into. So very important. You know, it's, it's a day in which there seems to be so many comparisons out there, which I'll get to next week. This is like point one of point one. You guys know me. I just can't, I can't just do a lot of things. God loves you just like you are. And if you've lived your whole life with people telling you you're not enough, you never do anything right, you need to stop listening to that because that's a disturbance. And next week, I will have door hangers that you can put in your house, and your kids are going to shut up. And your dumb spouse is going to shut up. I am enough. Matter of fact, for you, I'm more than enough. The only way anybody can get by with it is if you let them get by with it. I get to believe what I want to believe. And if somebody comes up and says something bad about me, I just look and say, I don't believe you. I believe God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I am born again. I am set free. I am bought by the blood of the Lamb. I don't need to listen to you. Now, I'll say it a lot nicer than that because I'm a pastor. Pull out in front of me and I'll honk. There are lines that we draw. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being such a good God. We thank you that you are an awesome God in every way. We thank you that you made us not just enough, but like yourself, with you in us, we are more than enough because you are more than enough in us. And I want to thank you, Jesus, for your grace. I want to thank you for all the people watching, all the people here today. I truly am a blessed man, and I am so thankful. Now, God, I pray for everyone that's watching, listening, sitting here today that needs you to be the Lord of their life, realizing they can't work to make you love them anymore because you love them as much as you could ever love any of us. So, Lord, we're going to stop working to try to be saved. We're going to submit and be saved. So I want all of you to pray this prayer with me because it's not about how good you are, how good you've been, or how good you will ever be. It's about how good God is, that he loved us so much that he sent his only son. I want all of you to pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me.
today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today I am saved. Amen. Amen. You are enough. And now, after praying that prayer, you have more than enough in you. And so those of you that prayed that in-house, I want to ask you to do me two, two favors. One, text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. But in a moment, we're going to have a prayer team over here on my left side. And I want you to come and tell them, today I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus today. And I just want you to know that. And this prayer team, they'll pray for you throughout the week. They'll pray all year for you. God, help them to live out the submission and the commitment they've made to you. And they'll do that. So in a moment, that's what I want you to do. Text the word SAVED, 405-500-1310. Especially those of you watching this recorded and those of you watching from home. Text the word SAVED, 405-500-1310. We would love to hear from you, okay? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.